The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 4. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across from the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you may be seated, please. The first half of the sermon will be on the text, talking about the call. And then the last half of the sermon will be about my personal call. So let us pray. Almighty God, you call us to be with you, to follow you, to be your people. Let that call be in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So the theme for today is this. Jesus called ordinary people right in the middle of their ordinary lives to do extraordinary things. And he still does. For me and for you. So the text today is, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Do you notice that the first disciples were not called into work, but they were called into a relationship. And Jesus calls us the same way, to be genuine and real in our relationships with the people around us. We are to be in those relationships the way Jesus was and is with his disciples. And that is bearing each other's burdens, caring for each other, especially those who are vulnerable, holding on to each other through thick and thin, always offering hope and promise with God's abundant grace. God calls us into a Christ-shaped relationship with the people around us. Not just a missionary, not just a mission, 
not just a movement, but to deal with flesh and blood people. They did a study on Christian vocation, and two unexpected results came forth. The first one was that the graduates of the seminaries that they studied put their vocation as teaching and preaching number one. And when they did the same study of the congregations, that they didn't feel like they had a call at all. What they did outside of the church, they felt was not worthy of God's attention and interest. So, part of that I understand, when you called to a public place to do a public calling of Jesus. The other part is important. Even though we may not lift it up, it is important. A quote, our task is to share a faith that is exciting enough to be contagious. That's not the pastor. That's talking about the people. Faith that's exciting enough to be contagious. We have to remember what draws us to the church. What drew you, first of all, to the church? It was a hunger, a real hunger, for a real encounter with God that transforms who we are. So, our calling is not so much about what we do, but our calling is, who are we? God isn't simply saying, do this, but God is saying, be this, be my child of God. After that, the doing comes easily. So my job as pastor has been to remind you that you are children of God. Even if you don't quite know what that means, that's okay. My task is to let you know that God loves you, that God honors you, that God values you. And if you're open to God, then the doing will come later. All kinds of responses. I look at Marilyn and Leroy sitting out there, and the faith came first, and the doing took them all over the world, doing a ministry of faith with crops. So maybe the work will come through your job, and maybe through volunteering, maybe in words and deed, but it always comes in relationships to remember that God calls us first, beloved children, and then calls us to do after that. So. About a year ago, when I was on the committee for first call, I was thinking about my last call. 
So here I am on a committee dealing with first call people, knowing that my last call was starting. And part of the Matthew 9:17 text says, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away, and they will fast. And this is probably going to be real obvious what I was thinking about, this next line. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. Did you know what I was thinking about? You don't? Come on, I'm getting old. So, a footnote to the text. When Jesus is present, it's time to celebrate, not to fast. The news that Jesus is bringing to the people is that they are being new wine to an old system. And new wine, when it is producing, produces gas, and it stretches the wineskins. Old wineskins with new wine put into it will be stretched until they break. Celebrating with wine. Couple went for their anniversary dinner in London. They went to a very nice restaurant. They ordered their meal and then they decided to have a nice French wine to go with their meal. It was a bottle of a 2001 French wine, costing about $330 a bottle. At the end of their meal, the manager came up to them and asked them, did you enjoy your meal? And they said yes. And then he went on to explain, by accident we served you the wrong wine. And they didn't quite know what that meant. And so he said, was the wine okay? And they wondered about that, but they said it was fine. And the manager said that, they were served a 2001 French wine, one of 500 bottles produced. The cost wasn't $330. The cost was $4,000. And he said, did you enjoy your meal? And they said, yes. And he said, thank you. First call. Last call, celebrating with Jesus. So I started my first call somewhere in junior high, high school. And as a person of that age, when that call came to me, I was like every teenager of that age. I said, what? Be a minister? No, I don't think so. So that call went on to Luther College, 
and then that call went on to Wartburg Seminary. It was wonderful. Wartburg was a wonderful place back then, and it still is. It reformed my theology. I had a wonderful faith growing up in the church. That faith taught me to love and trust Jesus. And my last call, that's you guys, you have taught me to love and trust Jesus. So what's the point? The point is, we may start out as new bubbly wine, strong and breaking old wine skins, full of excitement and a little grief. And we end up an old wine skin, smooth and inflexible, maybe a little valuable, full of grief and maybe a little excitement. But the call is the same. The call is to keep our eyes on Jesus, serve God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and life. I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes I ride motorcycles. And when you are on a motorcycle, you only have two wheels, not four. And as you're learning to ride, you realize that you go where your eyes are looking. So if you're coming around a corner and you see that big curb that is way too close, and you look at the curb, you know where you're going to end up? On the ground because you hit the curb. But if you look away from the curb and keep your eyes where you want to go, you do not end up on the ground. So the call. The call is to keep your eyes on Jesus. And then you'll end up where God wants you to be. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. It really is power. I said I went to Wartburg Seminary. Well, there I had a study of Tillich. Tillich is a theologian that, um, put in it mildly, is really hard to understand. When I was studying Tillich, Jelaine, you agree with that one, Jelaine? So when I was studying Tillich, I had my Bible on top, and on this side I had Tillich's book, and on this side I had a dictionary. <laughs> I spent most of my time in the b -b 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 dictionary. But what was amazing back then was to keep our eyes on Jesus to see where we end up. In that study group of five of us, one, two, three, four of us, excuse me, were Dr. Craig Nesson at Wartburg Seminary, Dr. Winston Prasad, Wartburg Seminary, Pastor Steve Rohde, and I've lost track of him, but I think he ended up being bishop of a Texas synod, 
and myself. Let me tell you, this little boy had to work hard. <laughs> and in my college and, and uh, seminary classmates, of the women that were just starting out in ministry was Bishop April Larson, Bishop Andrea DeGroote, plus a couple other classmates, some who were missionaries before they were ordained. What a blessing our 50-plus years of our nation of women in the ALCA. New wine turning into old wineskins. Age. It's a wonderful experience. Along with keeping my eyes on Jesus is education. Education is easy for some of you. Count your blessings. I have always had to work hard. At one point in my calling to be a minister, I thought I did not belong as a minister anymore. So I went to a workshop in Kansas to change careers. Part of that workshop was a pre-testing of something called Scholastic Aptitude Test. I understand that is the ability to take what you read in a book and change it into a sermon or a Bible study or words of wisdom. The general scoring on that scholastic aptitude test is 100. Many pastors score much higher than 100. I walked in, and the leader of the group said, have you seen your score? And I said, no. He said, your score is 30. That was my reaction. Ugh. And then he said this quote, and, and sometimes quotes go into your brain, even brains that don't remember quotes. And he said, how did you get through seminary? No, no, no. How did you get through college? No, no, no. How did you get out of high school? The answer is, keep your eyes on Jesus. My education, high school degree, little above half of the class. College, I met a wonderful woman and I went from a C, C plus to a B plus average. Her name is Jane. <laughs> went to seminary, passed did three-quarters of an STM degree postgraduate in pastoral care, did two years of college computer programming degree, did six units of clinical pastoral education, four of them at the basic level, two at the extended level. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and the miracle comes. Do you remember the council meeting that we had uh, six months ago when I talked about new wine and old wineskins? I'll ask the same questions I asked then. 
What does this verse say about our church? Are we new wine or are we old wine? When does good active ministry become old wineskins? What happens to new members when old members talk about the good old days? New wine, old wineskins. Can an old mentor, since I've done some mentoring, can an old mentor mentor new wineskin believers? And what is changing in our faith to keep us new wine? Pastor Eric Hansen, who was in that uh, first call committee, Eric and I had our own breakout session at the Synod Assembly. It was a nice day outside, and we skipped everything that was scheduled and went outside and sat in the sun. And he asked me a question, and he said, what words of advice would you give to us? the new wine, new pastors. And I was caught in the moment of thinking about retirement. And so I said, well, I would talk about saving money for retirement. Save, save, save. Well, retirement's here. And I realized that that wasn't the main point that I would share with him today. I think the real answer is share your faith with someone who is young. Be a mentor to that person's life. Be a faith friend. Share in that new wine with their new faith. As it interacts with your faith, it gives us all new wine. Young pastors, as I served on that committee, was a new wine for me. Another part was the interns that I have served over the years. That has been new wine for me. Old ministries are true and tested. But the question always is, how well did I keep my eyes on Jesus? For Jesus is always the new wine. And the church needs new wine. I don't know how well us old wineskins will listen to the new wine members, but they have gifts to share. New wine is exciting. There's new energy in new wine. There's new ideas that fit today. New wine will be tested. New wine will become old wine in old wineskins. And yet we keep our eyes on Jesus. So what happens when an old guy faces the call of retirement? It doesn't really change 
Because the call is always keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the relationship with someone who needs faith. After 14 days of retirement, I will start an interim in Grinnell. Um, I think it's actually another step towards retirement. So, three words of wisdom from this person. First one you've heard a lot in the sermon. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The second one is, remember that you are dust. <laughs> That's important, isn't it, Joanne? Very important. And this one you've heard me say, so I'm going to have you finish it. Remember what is at the center of sin. S-N. Amen.